This episode is supported by The Abstract and Maori Audio. All right, let's drop the needle. When I've traveled, for the most part for me, I've always had people first treat me with kindness. Life beyond work feel disconnected? Press pause and listen in. Talk Human to Me, a show for entrepreneurs with nothing about entrepreneurship. Founders take a break and reconnect with personal stuff that matters to them. I'm today's host, Jeff Shao. In this episode, I talk with Calgary Brown. She leads programming partnership and outreach for Move the Crowd, an entrepreneurial training program. But what she does only makes up part of who she is. Instead, we talked about stuff like compassion, traveling, identity, and an unexpected conversation with an Uber driver in Nairobi. So grab a seat and kick back as our guest reconnects with parts of their identity that got left in the dark and rediscovers the foundation of who they are. We start each episode the same way. What about humans strikes you the most? That's a really good question. Let's see. Okay, if I'm going to think about what just initially comes to mind with that question is our ability to be compassionate. I'm always struck by all of the craziness that's happening in our world the amount of compassion that people are able to exude in adversity. So like most recently, um, I literally had no money and it was really difficult for me to ask for help. And people showed up, friends giving me money, giving me a place to stay because I literally couldn't pay my rent here those were just all signs of compassion because I didn't think that anybody would be compassionate towards me in that way. And so discovering that and and experiencing that, I was just like, okay, yeah, it's this compassion in that time of need. As long as I've known you, I would see that you would actually have a very, very hard time accepting compassion. I know. I joke with you a lot that when I first met you, I was terrified of you because I thought you would whoop my ass every day because (laughs) I was always like, am I asking a stupid question? Am I bothering her? You never asked for help. Was it hard for you to not ask for compassion, but just the act of asking for help? To bring down that wall it kind of reveals that, yeah, you don't have all your shit together and that you need help. This whole thing of kind of like losing face, it's unhealthy. It can lead to burnout and you break down and you want to be in control because you know how to do it and you don't want to delegate because you think people can't, you know. Being compassionate is also having trust in others. How do you think this persona for you shaped? It was probably my own pressure on myself to do well. It probably got stronger as I got older and be in the world on my own. 
especially living in other countries. And I think when you live overseas and you're in a place that's not familiar to you, you kind of put your guard up. It's kind of street sense. You kind of looking around and just making sure like no one's coming at you because you're not so familiar with how people might approach you. So I always kind of had a bit of my guard up, especially just also as a woman. So that comes up too. Growing up, there's this constant struggle with the concept of identity, what it is you want to be, how other people perceive you. What did it mean to you in your early 20s versus now? When I was in my 20s, I probably wasn't grounded as much in my awareness of my identity as I am now. And in terms of accepting myself and knowing what it means to just be a black woman, like I'm very much proud of that and aware of that and seek resources and go to events, cultivate friendships that really maintain positivity around that. And it's not so much that it wasn't a positive thing in my 20s, but I'm not so concerned with... I guess, how people perceive me. I think that when you're in your 20s, there might be like a little bit of a self-consciousness, but I don't really have that now. It's like, if you're not cool with this, then I don't care. Like, I'm not going to do more to make someone like me. I've got my friends. I have my community. Like, if you're not feeling what I'm about, then I don't need to try to persuade you. I'd like our listeners to know more about one of our sponsors, The Abstract. Let me give the co-founder, Lala Openi, a quick call. That way we can hear from the human behind the company. Hey, Lala, this is Jeff. So I wanted our listeners to get to know you and your company a bit better. What value does your company have that personally means a lot to you? With the abstract, our practice is essentially healing and dealing, sharing and caring. Um, This personally means a lot to me because it demystifies mental health work and reminds me that we're all living through the same human condition together. Like none of us lives in a bubble. And in my own journey to healing, it's been a give and take, ebb and flow, rest and recovery, coping and resiliency. Um, It's definitely hard work, but I've learned that sometimes the most profound work I can do is, is to keep things simple. Take some deep breaths. Remember that I love and accept myself and my emotions as they are. There's enough organized chaos and disconnect that we deal with on a day-to-day. Healing and dealing and sharing and caring is not only important, it's revolutionary. Your 20s, was there a sense of, I'm just chilling, maybe not apathy, but you didn't feel fully conscious all the time about what's happening. You just kind of like, I'm just living, just getting through doing stuff. (laughs) So I, I mean, I was definitely socially engaged, but I definitely wanted to be perceived as the leader and the person that cared, right? I was president of this student organization that was all about bringing people from different parts of the the world together and intercultural understanding and going on these exchanges so that people got to know about another culture in a more deeper and nuanced way. And so, you know, we wouldn't try to blow each other up. That's the kind of idealistic perception and, you know, what I was trying to strive for when I was in my 20s. 
I cared about what they were all about. So definitely it came from like a heart passion place. And I was I studied international business. And so the international aspect of it was also super appealing to me. Mm. Strangely enough, my passion for things outside of the US started when I was really young. And I used to collect stamps from different countries. <laughs> like, I don't know, it was like, nine or ten and one of my uncles lived in Switzerland so like he would send me things and I would like collect a stamp and then I would ask my mom to collect stamps from any mail they got from different offices <laughs> global offices and then I would just go and buy stamps and so I had a huge collection of stamps I still have that collection of stamps <laughs> but they were literally the little windows to the world for me and so like there is all these beautiful stamps and they had all these cool places or birds or whatever and I'm like I want to go to that country and visit that place and when you're talking about identity right and these different layers of identity like at the core right is your gender or race and then What's interesting is that I finally realized that travel and exploration is part of my identity. It's not something I do for vacation. It's just I travel because that's literally what I'm about. That's who I am. And I'm going to be traveling and exploring in a very deep and authentic way for the rest of my life. In a way, every trip that you do take, it's a different type of wealth. It actually might be more real than what we define as wealth. Whatever we have in our wallets, whatever we have in an account, whatever is in crypto, <laughs> whatever, right, right. that's actually something that's made up. Right. right. Whereas an experience is as real as it gets. If I were to quantify my experiences, I'm a very rich person. You know, I can't talk about travel at this time without bringing up Anthony Bourdain, a huge inspiration to me in terms of traveling and creating authentic experiences. And I think at the core, you know, we're really are the same, right? We are humans and we have feelings and experiences and we laugh and we have grandmothers and they cook and we share meals. And that's been like a wonderful thing that I've been able to get because the media or whatever has this whole other narrative. And I've always wanted to like, well, what's I want my own narrative. So I want to go and see things for myself. And the US being put on this pedestal and this, yeah, there's been great innovations and whatnot. And I'm super proud of my own African American culture and, and the music and the food and things that we've developed. And there's other places that are just as wonderful. And so it's just helped me to check myself, stay in my lane and keep myself in balance. You know, there's the, the perception of African countries just being impoverished and everyone's hungry and everyone's got diseases and infrastructure's all messed up. It's like, well, no, no, not, not quite. And every country, you know, has its issues and whatnot, but we're so closed off to how other people are living. And then you go to countries, and I've been to Nairobi, Kenya, I've been to Shanghai, and you walk around and you're like, oh my God, this is on a whole other level. And yeah, I can live in these places and live a good life and not really think much about the Bay Area. And there's things that are wonderful here, the art and the culture that's here that you wouldn't get in Nairobi, right? 
but it's not like those things aren't developing there. And there's a lot of wonderful art and culture and musicians and restaurants and all those beautiful things. You just have to kind of step out of your comfort zone and stretch a little bit. And I think that that's important for at least Americans and particularly African-Americans if you're going to a country in Africa to do and to see our people thriving. You know, that's huge. I'd like our listeners to know more about one of our sponsors, Maori Audio. Let me give Mauricio Escamilla a quick call. That way, we can hear from the human behind the company. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Mauricio. So, I wanted our listeners to get to know you and your company a bit better. What core value of Maori Audio personally means a lot to you? Maori Audio is the culmination of my love for music, sound, and expressive production. Drawn to music and sound at a young age, I decided to focus on the science of it all, how to capture and truly make sound as emotive and powerful as it needs to be in order to fully move and impact the viewer and listener. A core value would be working with those whose voice needs to be amplified. I've had the pleasure of working with many independent artists, producers, and filmmakers to make their production as strong as it can be. Amplifying the voice of the voiceless, specifically marginalized people, is a big part of my work, and it brings me joy and fulfillment as a person of color from immigrant parents to be able to do that. There's this whole world of what it means to be human, how humans are living and thriving. The concept of success and thriving, it isn't defined by the U.S. Everyone has its own brilliant way of defining that. Right. If you had to convince someone that was very stubborn about U.S. being the best and not wanting to bend to that, would the first piece of advice be like, go travel somewhere? Oh, hell yeah, go travel somewhere. Like really push yourself to go to other places and really to travel to the continent of Africa and go to the different countries there. I've pushed myself to get out there and it's helped to adjust my perception and adjust my stance on the U.S. and be open to what other people are doing and their ideas. What do you think it is that creates that block so that someone has a hard time being open? It's fear. And thank God that I was part of an organization like ISEC when I was young and in my 20s that gave me the opportunity to not develop those fear-based thinking and have that openness to explore. It had a huge impact on me to not be fearful and to step out of my comfort zone and to know that it's going to be okay. Describe someone during your travel that was really memorable, like maybe even just like a person at the grocery store or at the market. I mean, the most, most recent was Nairobi. And I was using Uber and had a really wonderful conversation with the driver. And he was just asking me questions about black folks in the States and just kind (laughs) of like, you know, just that reality and this and that and telling me, oh, you know, welcome home and, and everything. I mean, and it was just like, it was like, so it was so heartwarming to have that conversation. And, you know, I, I have 
read articles that other African Americans have written around either studying or living in Africa and having a bit of a hard time finding maybe like their identity in the city that they're living because you you know you are an outsider still right you're you're an American but when I was there there were some moments where I was perceived so lovely and it was just I'll never forget that conversation and you know at the end he's just like yeah you're welcome back anytime and welcome home and we're so happy to have you here and thanks for coming back. And I was like, wow, this is really amazing. And that's like, you know, my unique experience. But when I've traveled, for the most part for me, I've always had people first treat me with kindness. Talking with Calgary, I'm curious if the thoughts and emotions in her commonly come up in other founders. And if so, why? Fear of the unknown and uncertainty is common with humans. We can make assumptions about situations, people, or places we don't really understand. This got me curious about the psychology and science behind that. So I called up our friend and visiting expert, Dr. Jacqueline Johnson, a doctorate of psychology who works with professionals of color, primarily black women, to help them get unstuck in life and chart a path towards attaining a life of meaning, value, and purpose. You can find more information about her at www.theblackgirldoctor.com backslash Dr. J. That's D-R dash J. Dr. Johnson's research draws upon the unique experiences of Black women who often shift or alter aspects of their identity based on the context in which they sit at any given time and the ways in which they learn to adapt to survive and thrive despite challenges faced. So she can definitely drop some knowledge on us. Hello. Hey, Dr. J. I got a question for you. So when people are unfamiliar with a situation, whether it's interacting with people they don't know, traveling to places they've never been, or even the uncertainty of how somebody else might be perceiving us, there's this underlying fear. What is the psychology behind unfamiliar situations creating this fear? And people who do explore the unknown or take risks with unfamiliar situations, what's different about their psychology? Such a great question. We have an innate fear of the unknown. I think on some levels, our brains are hardwired to protect us from danger. And so unfamiliar situations, they really sound off alarms for us. But the problem is that our brains can't distinguish between the danger that our ancestors face, right, on the savannah, and there may be potential predators in unfamiliar situations versus the quote-unquote threat of encountering a new social setting or an opportunity, So the danger that we perceive in our modern world is often not that of physical harm, but rather it's this fear of being rejected or a fear of not belonging. Or in other words, psychologist and researcher Carol Dweck and her colleagues, they really hammered this home well. And they mentioned this idea of us always having to perform well. So because we're also wired to be social creatures and social beings, we do have this innate desire to belong. So new situations, 
can kind of test our ability to belong. And so we may feel pressure to have to highlight or showcase our skills, our abilities, our talents, and kind of really trying to prove ourselves to other people like, hey, like me, like, hey, I belong here. A lot of the focus is on performing instead of just kind of being in new spaces. So that can be really scary and really exhausting for folks. The second part of your question in terms of what may be different about others who are more willing to take risks, I think that risk-taking is like any other personality trait in the fact that it exists on a continuum. We are very complex and complicated creatures. And so even within the same person, there may exist different levels or willingness to take risks. In some areas, I may be more willing to take risks than others. So I see it partly as a function of biology and genetics. I think some folks, they just have more of the traits of sensation-seeking and being willing to take risks. But I also think it's a partly a, a function of mindset. For folks who are willing to embrace uncertainty in unfamiliar situations, they may be less concerned about how well they perform and more interested in what they can learn from new opportunities and seeing new situations and new people as a way to expand their life and expand what they know. And I think people who are more willing to take risks, they're more open to failure, to not getting it right, to making mistakes. So I think a lot of our fear of uncertainty is we don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to be seen in a negative light. And so we don't want to be in situations that may expose a weakness or perceived weakness that we may have. I think that makes them more readily to explore the unknown because they have that freedom like, hey, hey, I know I'm going to make a mistake or, hey, I know I don't know everything. And that's okay. That's just part of me being human. So the last thing I want to say about that is I think that it's most adaptive when we're kind of in this sweet spot, right? So too much risk and that can be like a danger to yourself. You don't want to be putting yourself in precarious predicaments. But also I think we do need some risk. Otherwise we're stagnant in our lives and we really close ourselves off to opportunities and possibilities to widen and explore our lives and to reach our potential for joy and creativity. And I think it just overall improves life satisfaction the more we're willing to open ourselves up to unfamiliar situations and settings. I hope our conversation helped listeners reconnect with personal stuff they care about. We end each episode with this question. Ultimately, what's the point of all of this? Hmm coming to my mind is just really striving to be in our authenticity because I think too many times we live in authentic lives and I think the closer we can get to being our most authentic selves I think the happier we can be as human beings find the complete experience for this episode at talkhumantome.com and while you're there Take a look at our curated bite-sized clips. We put together these miniature thoughts to help you reconnect in three minutes or less. We work with sponsors that care about helping people reconnect and rediscover who they are beyond their work. Check out the special treats they're giving our audience at talkhumantome.com backslash sponsors. Also, this show takes a dedicated squad. Shoutouts to designer Lala Openi for our show's artwork and to audio engineer Mauricio Escamilla for shaping our sound. Check out their companies and creations at talkhumantome.com backslash squad. Reach out to them if you need help with any design or sound project of your own. And finally, infinite love to our advisors, mentors, friends, and family. 
you help us stay inspired and keep this work going. Be well, be curious, practice empathy, and stay human. Human.